Friday edition of Justice and Drew is underway. Welcome back to the program. My name is Drew. That guy's name is John. In here pushing our buttons this morning and answering your phone calls. At 651-989-5855 is me. Yeah, so uh, so call up and talk to Drew because he loves taking your phone calls and loves just chatting it up with you in the middle of the middle yeah. of the show. Just just a heads up, uh, I am going to be incredibly short and curt with everybody that calls because you know I'm kind of also doing a show at the same time. That's so. a true true story. Don't don't take it personally. Lawyer extraordinaire Jeff O'Brien joins us in the studio. Good morning, sir. Good morning. You win the award for first to arrive on the roundtable this morning. No, no prior is it, planning. Is it that bad outside? It's starting to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't Drew said it was pretty bad on his drive in, but coming in from yeah. coming in from the from the great north, you know, of Blaine. Yeah, coming in wasn't from so, uh, wasn't so bad. Coming in on twelve. It was it was slow. It was definitely slippery. There were uh, three or four instances where even on a straightaway, you know, I felt the car start to start to veer and move without uh, without my prompting. So that always makes it a bit white knuckled. Getting back to the story we were covering uh, just a moment ago, I'll wait for the rest of the roundtable to get in, and uh, Jeff O'Brien, we're obviously going to be uh, picking your brain on the SCOTUS ruling yesterday. Mm-hmm. First off, I want to talk UFOs. Former USAF uh, nuclear weapons technician Adrian Reister was stationed at Whiteman uh, Air Force Base, Missouri, between 2003 and 2007, had extensive knowledge of the aircraft that operated from the base, including the highly advanced B-2 Spirit stealth bomber. On, least two, on at least two occasions, though, he saw a UFO that didn't look or move like any known aircraft type. And we need to flag, um, we got to go back and flag and find the podcast where we talked with uh, with uh, David Gartenstein-Ross mm-hmm. about his his UFO mm-hmm. uh, experience as a, uh, as, a, as a young lad. Reister was part of a team that maintained the nuclear weapons on the base, trained in their handling, as well as providing security when they were moved around the facility. He had a a really bizarre experience while he was supervising the movement of one of the uh, devices within the base, stressing that he was in a state of high alertness because of the nature of the task in hand. The 37-year-old told Liberation Times, I noticed a light or orb hovering along the top of the tree line. I thought it was just a star at the time, but as I continued surveilling the area, the orb shot above the treetops and hung there for some time. Then he thought maybe it was just a satellite. But then he continued to bounce around in the sky, shot to the left, shot 90 degrees straight up, and then disappeared. He had a similar experience at the base sometime later noting that he saw a single glowing orb, glowing what he describes as a yellowish-white color. But that's not the strangest experience that Reister had while stationed at the nuclear base. This is where it gets good and creepy. I like this part. It was the summer of 2006. He was working a night shift maintaining a dummy practice bomb, which is uh, the nuclear weapon. Uh, the nuclear weapons tech encountered what he describes as, quote, a shadow person. Okay. Oh, my gosh. First, he heard footsteps, but not the familiar sound of one of his Air Force comrades in the standard-issue combat boots. The mystery intruder appeared to be padding around the high-security base barefooted. After hearing the footsteps a couple of times, he got up to investigate, and he had a chilling encounter with something that he says was not entirely human. I saw what I can't really describe as other than a black mass in the shape of a person standing at six feet, he says. Oh, my gosh. Not really a shadow, but something that was slightly blurry and didn't reflect 
any lights. Now, this is a base that's well guarded at all times. He says it's almost impossible for an unauthorized person to gain access to the sensitive inner areas, but something or someone managed to get very close to a weapon storage area without tripping any alarms. These days, the U.S. military is much more open to reports of so-called UAPs than it was than it has been in the past. But the focus is still on potential advanced technology being operated by a foreign power. It's this new openness that has made Reister feel he is able to tell his story today. But similar reports dating back several decades uh, that what military personnel have been encountering is something more than just a very fast a Chinese-built drone. Now, putting on my you know my science fiction. Tinfoil hat, right? right. This, is, this, is, this is Drew doing this, not me, so it has more credibility. It, it, uh, taking, you know, assuming that there that there's some sort of otherworldly being or whatever, or that that is surveilling us and and investigating us, it would make sense in the science fiction world, at least, for them to be attracted to things like nuclear testing facilities, right? And we've seen many reports come out as of late. With regard to this happening, we've we, we've had several reports of right. of individual and, and 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 what what I find most fascinating about these, and for those that haven't gone and looked, if you're interested at all in any of this, go find the Joe Rogan um, podcast and YouTube videos where he has on the. The, the Navy Air Force pilots, where they talk about coming in contact with these with these UAPs in broad daylight, mm-hmm. in open water. What I find most fascinating is the credibility of the individuals coming forward and explaining what it is that they are they are dealing with. You know, there's the one guy, and I completely forgot his name, that claimed that he worked within Area 51. And, mm-hmm. again, and again, his name escapes me, and I've watched all the videos on it. You know, that guy in and of itself is pretty interesting and credible. But when you've got actual members of our military and individuals backing up the claims that were there as well, that's what I find most fascinating. Yeah. It just this Something is happening they are seeing something it's just a question of what what it is what is it and right now it's sort of unexplained that doesn't necessarily mean it's aliens it doesn't necessarily mean it's spirits or ghosts or anything like that it's unexplained we don't we don't know what it is and when you don't know what it is that allows your mind to sort of you know go to go to weird places but if you've listened like write books i i I haven't in a long time but i used to listen to a a fair number of paranormal podcasts and Mm -hmm. things like that it was a had a little stint where i was i was into that and the shadow people phenomenon is that's a thing i mean that is a thing that a lot of people very similar type descriptions to what this guy experienced 651-989-5855 is the phone number. I'm going to dive into a couple of different things. Real quick, heading into the weekend. I'm, ex- I, I, I'm excited about playoff weekend. I'm excited about going to see Scream. Are you going to go see Scream? Yeah, probably tonight. Cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I don't have tickets yet, though. Yeah, I'm, but I'm looking forward I, I, I'm to seeing it. I'm going tonight. But yeah, no, playoff weekend, I'm very excited. The playoffs are... The, are the best part of the football season. The playoffs are better than the Super Bowl. The yeah. playoffs, I love NFL playoffs. And I and I and I will watch all the playoff games just because I like the fact that one of these teams is going to leave a loser. So usually, <laughs> usually I'll go in picking one for some arbitrary reason, right? Um, especially if they're playing New England, the other team is automatically going to be picked as the team <laughs> that I time. want to win every time. This weekend, though, apparently uh, is uh, Saturday Night Cold playoff game will be among the most frigid in NFL history. Only a handful of games in the postseason history have been played in weather colder than the matchup set to take place in Buffalo. I'm trying to look at what the temperature is supposed to be, but they don't have it right here. Uh, Right here up front, uh, going through. This is the Saturday night oh, yeah. game. Oh yeah, temperatures are expected to remain about three or four degrees throughout the game. Ooh, 
How do you play? <laughs> how do you? How do you play it? How do you? How are you with the grandstands? We had when when, uh, when independent photojournalist Rebecca Brandon joined us in the studio. She'd gone to the uh, to the Green, the Green Bay, Bay game. game. Yeah, and she said she was in the. You know, she in the in the in the grandstand, surrounded by individuals and all that. Yeah. You're bundled up. It's a lot better. But man, being out in a lot of layers, weather, a lot of layers, and a lot of the just like using everybody else's body heat. My mother-in-law was at the uh, the infamous ice bowl game. You know, back in Green Bay, like in 1967, and she thinks she has, she has a fur hat that she wore to. My my wife keeps it as our rally hat now, but it's it's it's. I, it, and I have clients that were former Vikings that I'm mean, how did you play in this stuff? And you had like short sleeves and things. <laughs> well, so like when, when, when I, you know, you know, some five years ago when I moved out here and we went through the first, you know, you know, below way, well, well below, right. Frigid temperatures. I remember going online and looking how long, you know, they tell you, you can only be outside in for right. so long or else you'll die. This yeah, kind of thing. Thumbs start to fall. How off. in the world are the, how are they three and four degrees, three or four degrees. How yeah. are the football players not just, just turning <laughs> just into, dropping, <laughs> dropping turning into, Wide receiver sickles on, on the field. Well, I think it's I think it's different today too. I mean, you have you know you got coils underneath the field, so it's heating up the field. They didn't necessarily have that way back when. And you know the, the Vikings, you know when they played out at Met Stadium, they were all, all both teams are on one sideline, and Bud Grant wouldn't allow heaters, so the players would run in front of the visitor. The Vikings players tell me they'd they'd run in front of the visitors' bench to try to get warm for a little bit before they get back to their sideline because they had no heaters. I just I can't I can't even. I can't even imagine. I mean, I guess you're moving. You're 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 moving around for the most part. I think the adrenaline just kicks in. Yeah, it just it just it just it just protects you. But that just that just it's, I'm very worried for the football players. Is what I'm saying. Who's Buffalo playing by the way? I didn't even look. New England, I think. Yeah, oh, is it New England? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, good. Then great I, rivalry game. Then I hope that Buffalo great, beats New got, England. Uh, we got a uh, Buffalo New England rivalry game this weekend. We've got a flashback to the '90s with Dallas and San Francisco mm-hmm. playing each other. That's going to be a lot of fun. Go San Francisco. All right, so let's get into this. Uh, yesterday, uh, President, looking at the story from Fox News, President reeling after a series of defeats and setbacks and po- policy flops, stalls agenda. Joe's no good, very bad week. Good. I'm glad because he sucks as a president and he's ruining this country. <laughs> He's really bad at his job. Yeah, I just there's no other way to say it, man. That last year just sucked. Yeah. This year doesn't look like it's going to get any better. So I'm glad. I don't think they're going to. I don't think that they are going to change trajectory at all at this point. I, I don't. Know, maybe, maybe they well, will. I, think, I, I don't know. I, don't but. Know. I, I think now it's all about midterms. I mean, this was you know you you had you had sort of you had a, a window of opportunity to pass your big agenda items, but then once you get into an election year, you know how everything shifts and you know how everybody's focus shifts, and now it's going to be all about just worrying about the midterms. And I don't know that they're going to try to pass anything significant again after this. I mean, it, Biden's first year agenda absolutely without question failed mm-hmm. completely across the board, and he's got a majority. In, in in the House, he's got a majority in the Senate. We saw the same thing happen in in some respects to Trump's first term when he had the Republicans in charge. He didn't get done a lot of the things he wanted to get done, but he didn't have the epic collapse and failure that Joe Biden's agenda has had. No, no, and you know I think he's got what well, he had the stimul- stimulus bill and the infrastructure bill, and that's probably going to be it. I don't. I, maybe some minor stuff yeah. coming up this year, but I don't. I don't but see I any those, big initiatives both of those coming. Would have passed with, with a Republican, though. I mean, those are both mm-hmm. things that that bipartisan support. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, so so you're, I, I agree with you. It's all about the midterms. But what are they? 
So what do they do now? I mean, apart from my apart from my conspiracy theory, right? Apart from my conspiracy of Omicron starts to drop and they they go and take credit for it for doing all these things that <clears throat> has no impact on it, and the potential of the supply chain situation easing and America getting an influx of product that's going to be need to you know be sold on the cheap which I still think is a distinct possibility. That could really be a boom for the economy when you've got a bunch of 2021 automobiles coming in in 2022 and the dealerships are going to need to really unload these. There's potential there where that could really be just one sector, but you could see that sort of translating to a bunch of other sectors. What else do the Democrats have? They can't pin... They can't necessarily pin the failure of the voting rights bill on Republicans, considering it was Cinema and Mansion were the ones that that doomed it. You can kind of go back and look at you can kind of use the argument of Trump appointees. But still, it was a six three ruling, yeah. right? On on and and, and correct yeah, me if I, I'm wrong. Kavanaugh dissented, didn't he? Uh, in the no, in he was in the no in the, in the OSHA case, it, he was he was with them. He was with them. Okay, it was the the CMS case. He was gotcha. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um. So no, I I haven't heard any chatter yet about them screaming about packing the court yet. Um, but, but they you know, missed that chance, though, right? Early, I mean, it's early in the day. Um, <laughs> you know, they'll they'll we'll hear about January sixth until you know November, thinking that they, they think that resonates with voters. You know, he'll continue to get bad judges appointed uh, through the Senate up until the, if the Senate is no longer in his party's hands. Um, but yeah, I I don't know what the I mean. If if the COVID cases start to drop, you know, as, as supposed, I think it's supposed to hit the peak here coming up. Later this month, you know, he'll try to go out and take credit for that, but they're never going to get to zero COVID. So, it, and he kind of made that his big campaign promise. So I don't know what he's. I don't know how they're going to wiggle out of this. Well, even looking at looking at so looking at trying to take credit for COVID, everybody understands what's happening with Omicron. So, even an attempt to try to take credit for COVID, you may get your surface level social media, you know, lefty crowd giving kudos to biden but i think the vast majority of people are going to see right through that knowing that most of the media outlets are reporting the 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 nature of how omicron works to the january 6th argument i agree with you but again i think that only appeals to that surface level social media loud mob crowd because the polling numbers as it was demonstrated for cnn year over year (laughs) for the january 6th coverage were they were abysmal i mean it's nobody wanted wanted to tune into that nobody wanted to watch that cnn took a gamble because that was you know january 6th of last year was the highest rated day in their network's history so they they figured hey let's try it again see if we can get a little spike in our numbers and and Look, I mean, where the, the well, I don't know what the percentage of people in this country it is, but there are there are a number of people in this country who are fixated on January sixth. That's all they want to talk about. They want to hammer at home. Those people are a distinct minority mm-hmm, in this country. Mm-hmm. They are a small, small number of people. So if the Democrats think they want to make the midterms and they want to run on you know insurrection in January sixth and all of this stuff, I say go for it. By well, all means, please make that your central issue. Well, and I don't want to, and I don't want to wipe out. I just want to make a quick comment on the January sixth um, um, example that you just gave, Drew, because I, I because I totally agree with you. That's the same that that same minority crowd on the left that wants to continue to just be fascinated by January sixth. That's exactly the same crowd that didn't understand why so many people were coming out in droves for Trump. That's the same crowd that kept. You know, wondering why I kept 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 going and criticizing those individuals, right? 
when January 6th happened, it gave that crowd all they needed to finally go and vilify and demonize the massive amounts of individuals that were going to Trump rallies during the 2020 campaign, even though what happened on January 6th was an aberration and not indicative of what those crowds were. Otherwise, you would have seen... You know, disastrous results across the country for the hundreds of thousands of individuals that were turning out for the dozens upon dozens of Trump of Trump of Trump rallies. I guess I guess I can drop back really quick before we go to phones and just say maybe the Democrats just don't have anything to run on going into <laughs> into November. I'm oh, kind that of, would be a shame. I'm kind of going under the assumption they'll find something. But when we kind of break it all down, they're they're almost they're left with an empty they're left with an with, with an empty reusable bag. <laughs> they don't really they don't really have anything left to, no. tr- to try to. Well, we'll see. Six five one nine eight nine five eight five five. Let's go to Rick calling from uh, Albertville. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, morning, guys. Uh, you know, I just wanted to give credit where credit's due, and, and that's McConnell. Uh, the guy's been on the floor. He's been really pounding down on a ton of this garbage that's been coming from the left. But the you know the one thing that people seem to keep forgetting about, and I haven't heard a peep, uh, was that comment that Schumer made. Uh, right before the election last year when they win the Senate back and everything, now we're going to fundamentally change America. Yep. And there's two people right now that have held that up, and they need a ton of credit, too, yep. and that's Cinema and, and uh, Manchin. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree completely. And and look, I'm, I'm not the biggest Mitch McConnell fan. You're not going to hear me praise him you know, terribly often, but the fact of the matter is you know, he's the guy, he's the leader right now of the minority in the Senate, and he has helped kind of keep things together and prevent some really, really bad things from from getting to Joe Biden's desk. And he does deserve some credit for that. Absolutely. 651-989-5855 is the phone number coming up. Supreme Court cites Biden Chief of Staff Ron Klain's Twitter feed in smackdown of illegal <laughs> vax mandate. <laughs> Minnesota employers adjust plans after Supreme Court halts vaccine mandate. This was the question where the questions come in for our lawyer extraordinaire, uh, uh, Jeff O'Brien, who currently is our only member of our roundtable this morning. <laughs> Hopefully the other members will get here soon if they brave the, brave the weather. It's all coming up on Twin Cities News Talk. Hey, Randy, what you doing? Oh, hey, Dave. I'm just making a list of things that make me feel really, really good. Wearing Bombas socks. Trust me, that's number one on my list. Bombas socks feel so good because we use the smartest design and best materials, making them the most comfortable socks ever. Plus, because socks are the number one most requested clothing item in homeless shelters, we donate a pair for every pair purchased, and that feels pretty good, too. To shop Bombas or learn more about how your purchase supports those experiencing homelessness, go to bombas.com slash comfy and get 20% off your first purchase. City's News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. like the biggest Ben Shapiro fan. Welcome back to Justice and Drew Twin Cities News Talk. Yeah. I like I like you some Ben Shapiro. Don't misunderstand. Yeah, no. You know, I, got, I got no beef with Ben I, Shapiro. I've got no beef with him. I think his commentary's good. I think there are times when he, he gets a little little smarmy and it bugs me, right? But, you know who does it? Sir, well, me. <laughs> I don't get that way. John Justice doesn't get that way. I gotta tell you guys, though, his... <laughs> He's the hashtag TCNT. His uh, his tw- his his tweet game as of late has been spot on. Just forty six seconds ago, Joe Biden's presidency has fallen and it can't get up. <laughs> well, he had a, he had a tweet yesterday that I thought was hilarious. Uh, he was looking at the Biden polling numbers, uh, showing him around like thirty three percent, and he says uh, the comment was something along the lines of, "You know, Joe Biden's polling numbers are lower than the Rotten Tomatoes score for Geely." Oh man! <laughs> so. 
I think that, you know, look, and, and, you know, with the poll numbers, you know, there's a lot that you can, you can dig out, you can dig into and break down when it comes to poll numbers. And if we're being fair and intellectually honest, looking at Joe Biden's poll numbers, they really are that low, mainly because he sucks. <laughs> it's true. That's, he's really bad at being he's, president. He's horrible. He's really, really bad at being president. Like he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, because he's not good at it. This this goes back to the commentary we had when we started the show. I, I, I guess we shouldn't sit back and I mean, I'm not saying that we are, but like nobody should be sitting back and 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 looking at what happened yesterday with just the series of defeats, setbacks, and policy flops, <laughs> and should be should be shocked by it. I mean, that's you you elect. Garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. You let garbage run, right? <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get garbage. <laughs> and so it it kind it, it kinda makes sense. It doesn't bode well for the next three years <laughs> by any stretch, but hopefully we can mitigate some some damage come come, come, the come November. Just stall it. I mean, just stall it even more. I mean, that's what it needs to be. But that's what that's what scares me too, though, man, is that if Republicans do end up gaining control of of Congress come November, they better they better do something good with it, you know. Uh, you know, that's, I'm not, not going to hold my breath. Yeah, I, I you know, know, the, but, but, I know. But the good will be that the, what you know the, the current Democrat agenda, the the Bernie Sanders centric agenda, the the, the progressive squad centric agenda that they are all uh, they're all obsessed with right now. I mean, it, you know, with Republicans taking over, you know, that's dead. It's completely dead. I mean, that's that's the good right. that would come from it. Beyond that, I really wouldn't have a whole lot of expectations. Is Let's there... uh, welcome to the roundtable, yeah. uh, making his way in uh, through the snow and the ice, State Representative Eric Lucero. Well, good morning. Thank you for another opportunity. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming in, man. It's been a while. Of course, Lawyer Extraordinaire Jeff O'Brien joins us as well. I want to uh, I want to circle back, Jen Saki, and circle back to this conversation uh, a little bit later on, uh, Eric, with you because I want to. I'm, I'm curious to kind of pick your brain on what's happening, you know, sort of at the federal level, and if there's any sort of comparisons you can give to heading into this year and expectations when it comes to uh, the Minnesota State Legislature. But let's um let's let's go into the so, sort of the, the the big one yesterday and uh, the SCOTUS ruling on uh, on Biden's um, vaccine mandate. Um, Lawyer extraordinary Jeff O'Brien, the big question that everybody immediately went to yesterday on Twitter uh, that we wanted to ask you about was, does the does the Supreme Court ruling on the on the on the vaccine mandate blocking employers of 100 or more from being able to from forcing their employees to either get a test every week or or show that they're that they're vaccinated? Does that have any bearing on Minneapolis and St. Paul and what they're attempting to do with the with their own emergency powers and forcing the businesses to have vaccine passports? So, yes and no. And I saw that Mayor Carter already revised the St. Paul mandate oh. to remove the employees from the requirement. So, you know, we're talking about if, if you have a if you have a bar or restaurant like a chain that has 100 or more employees, right. then yes, the yesterday's ruling would affect that and the ability for the employer to to mandate that the employees get vaccinated or get tested. In terms of the the cities, these mandates they put in place for the for any space, what they call it, place. I was looking at that fries order. Places of public accommodation where food and brev- beverage is sold and served for for on site consumption is the exact wording that they're using. Um, those mandates already had legal problems, and I've been on I've been on the phone and texting and you know emailing 
you know, clients that are in there saying, you want to go after it? I'm here if you need it. Um, you know, Minnesota's Constitution has an equal protection clause. Um, this is the same thing that when, when we, if you guys remember a year ago when we brought a lawsuit against the governor to open the bars and restaurants back up, it was largely based on a violation of Minnesota's equal protection clause. I think the same argument applies here. What, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're discriminating against a particular industry once again without any hard evidence as to why they make assumptions about food and beverage, you know, uh, venues having some, you know, some greater risk of, of transmission of the virus without any data. You mean there's no science behind it? No. It's completely subjective? There's nothing. Oh, wow. Weird. So, I mean, at least <laughs> at least when walls were shutting bars down, at least, I mean, granted, the Department of Health was manufacturing the data, but at least they had data. This is just, I mean, there's, there's nothing behind this. And I think that um, exempting out employees, um, I think that some of the, I think there's, I think if they were challenged in court in state, court as a violation of the equal protection clause of the Minnesota Constitution, I think the Minneapolis and St. Paul mandates fail. So any of you that are bar and restaurant owners listening in Minneapolis or St. Paul, 612-336-1298, we'll take the case and we'll go after them. It really is. You get an endorsement fee for that. <laughs> so basically, if you if you want, so if you're unvaccinated and you want to eat inside a Taco Bell in St. Paul, you need to get hired as an employee. Yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. Okay. Right. Cool. Right. It's, it's already been suggested. Hire them for a buck while they're you know while they're there, and then you can let them go. It it, it really it that you. was a workaround that somebody had emailed to me. Well, a we're all about workarounds, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, workarounds are great, right? That's the way the government mm-hmm. operates, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. the fact just that don't that, tweet about it. Somebody emailed me and that and said, "Ask Jeff O'Brien if uh, if 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 uh, because of the uh, the vaccine mandates that that Fry and Carter imposed aren't applying to employees, can they set up a system where when you want to go eat at a restaurant, they just hire you?" And you are an employee for a period of time, and they pay you like a dollar or whatever, and then you get to eat without having to show your vax card. Well, and I think grocery stores are exempted too. So what do you do right. if you sit down at the deli area? The, you know, the sit down area at the deli, at the grocery store, and eat is that 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 would seem to be the same thing well, as eating I just at thought a the science according to these people, you can't get it in grocery stores. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's right. You that's can't right. contract yeah, virus. That's, that's, that's right. Home Depot, Target, and the grocery right. stores, the virus doesn't go in there. Except for the fact that I just saw, because I know you guys are being glib, I just saw an article where the most comprehensive study that was done on where you can contract it actually is all those places. Mm-hmm. They actually came out. The data actually suggests that. And to your point, too, like a st- Starbucks inside of a Target. You know, you sit down to, you know, have a scone. You know, with your with your venti caramel macchiato. Well, know, in the that, but 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 the scone in the market macchiato in the factory eating at Starbucks, it keeps you from uh, Omicron's. Like, nah, I'll pass. The, the the silly thing about these these city mandates is, and I have clients, of course, in this industry that decided that they that this was something they wanted to do, so they did it two weeks ago, on their own. Um, here you have, I think the governor wait, wait, had, wait, wait, wait. Uh, business can do things on their own yeah. without a government. Yeah, they so, can make decisions that they feel is best for their business and employees and customers without the governor ma- mandating it. With, right. What right. a world. So for the argument that all oh, there's, there's some of these business owners that, that are concerned about, you know, their, their staffing levels. Yeah. And they took care of that two weeks ago with, the, you know, proposing this themselves. Um, you don't need to have the city order the rest of them to do it too. Um, 
so so again we're just it's you know forcing a one size fits all policy on everyone and if i recall i think the governor himself has said that they expected the omicron cases to peak in about the third week of january Mm -hmm. which is right about the time that they're putting these mandates in place so the cases will drop naturally and then they'll pat themselves on the back as if they've done something yep Yep, and that's going to be the strategy they're going to use at the federal level as well. 651-989-5855. We have State Representative Eric Lucero joining us in studio, lawyer extraordinaire Jeff O'Brien as well. We should be joined uh, from the vaping studio by Josh uh, Hassing. You're listening to Twin Cities News Talk. Uh, Justice and Drew, if you want to chime in on this, 651-989-5855. 3.5 and on iHeartRadio with your smart device. Because you deserve the truth. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, your Friday edition, your Friday roundtable edition of Justice Andrew is back. 651-989-5855 is the phone number. Pleased to have in studio our roundtable participants, lawyer extraordinaire, David Garten. Or, I was looking at the... I was looking at the button bar and I saw his name. Lawyer extraordinaire Jeff O'Brien. I've been called a lot worse. Yeah. So was that a promotion? Or? I, don't, I think so. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, had, I had David sitting right in front of me. That's why I said that. You're, well, and then, you're, and you're, you're not in your... I'm, you're not where you're supposed to be. Look, yeah, sorry. I, yeah. We'll blame it on Sam. Yeah, seriously. Everything's, everything's weird today. System. I'm working. I'm I'm actually running the board for the program today while Sam's a little under the weather. Also, State Representative Eric Lucero. Good morning. In for the roundtable, Josh Hassing from uh, Twin Cities Cannabis will be joining us for the Friday News Quiz coming up at uh, 8.35 this morning. We do have a $100 gift certificate from Twin Cities Cannabis. If you correctly predict the winner of the Friday News Quiz, Eric Lucero, Jeff O'Brien, and Josh Hassing, David Garden Center House will not be on the uh, roundtable or playing the News Quiz at all, so don't vote for him. But if you do uh, make the correct prediction, you'll be entered into a drawing for a $100 gift card from Twin Cities Cannabis. The U.S. Supreme Court's ruling blocking Biden administration's vaccine mandate for private employers with 100 or more employees cites from the Federalist White House Chief of Staff Ronald Klain's Twitter as evidence <laughs> that the federal government was actively seeking to circumvent normal regulation powers to force COVID-19 shots on Americans. And this is funny for a lot of reasons, but the reason it makes me, and I'm with you, it makes me chuckle as well, Drew, is because just, and just from, a, from a Trump angle, you know, Trump just so much conversation like around his tweets and mm-hmm. all that right and how his tweets could affect policy mm-hmm. you know it should drive the markets and well and then and said well okay yeah well look at what ron Klain did mm-hmm. it kind of doomed not that they wouldn't have anyways but it did sort of help in dooming biden's vaccine mandate as it should have yeah as it should have you i mean you, you look when you lie about a policy when you lie about why you're doing something when you use these massive federal government bureaucracies and agencies to implement rules that congress should be implementing and you and you, and you do it under false pretenses absolutely the supreme court should smack that down every single time you know what's so sick about these people is they view the constitution as something to get around they they view it as a challenge how can we skirt it how can we convolute it to to usurp it and infringe on people's liberties. And, you know, when I saw the the ruling come out, I read one article that was quoting some uh, uh, White House staffers that said uh, off the record that they knew that this was going to be a a tough legal challenge, uh, something to that effect. But 
Uh, and then when I read that, I'm, I'm comparing it to the the housing moratorium that yeah. that President Biden. I was just going to say the same thing. This is twice now where they've basically admitted up front that they're probably going to get smacked down by the Supreme Court, but they figure they can get a couple weeks out of it, so they're just going to ride it. And I'm like, I've you know, can you imagine if Donald Trump had said something like that? Yeah, I know I'm going to get shot down by the Supreme Court, but you know, we'll just throw it against the wall. It'll, it, for a couple weeks, it'll work, and then and then they'll be you know, and then and then and then they'll strike it down. It's like they would have tarred and feathered him. Why does it require the Supreme Court to strike it down? How come he can't have the a respect for the Constitution and sure. say, you know what, we're not going to push this, we're not going to enact this, because it's a violation of the Constitution? Why can't that be the case? Well, I think I think a lot of it comes down to it's 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 optics. You know, it, it, it's it's optics on both uh, on on sort of on both ends of it, right? And and I think that and again, maybe I'm maybe I'm going way out in the weeds on this, but it seems to me that the Democrats kind of get a win either way on this. On the on the front end, they get the optics of Biden's trying to do something, and it's something that 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 a lot of sort of base level supporters want him to do. Whether it was the the the, the moratorium or whether whether it was the vaccine mandate, we have polling from Rasmussen shows just how many on the left um, are just little authoritarians, you know, and they support Democrats punishing the un the unvaccinated. But when the Supreme Court goes and smacks it down, I also think there's a level where. The administration and the left likes the ability to point the finger at the Supreme Court because mm-hmm. they want to continue to establish yeah. this idea that we need other justices. And they can also go back and look at Trump because it are they, these are you know Trump appointees mm-hmm. to the Supreme Court that took part in smacking these down. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to yeah, brace yourself for another round of here's 18 million reasons why we need to pack the Supreme Court with 47 Democrat appointed justices so that they'll never rule against us again. Yeah. I mean, that, that's... The the progressive wing of that party is just getting more and more unhinged by the day that they want to they just want to obliterate any obstacle in their path to basically having single party control in perpetuity in this country. You know, the long game, I'm very concerned because there's a mentality out there. There's a party where there's a growing mindset of it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what the basis is. It doesn't matter what we what we want to accomplish the constitution be damned right. we want to do what we want to do and that mindset even with this ruling though isn't going away that mindset is still there i think the question comes down to though how many you know how 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 big is how big is that is that group of individuals drew touched upon it earlier you know that it's it's I, I hopefully i don't believe it is and i think drew you you said this as well i don't think it's a majority of individuals on the left i think that social media has enabled a vast majority of those individuals to express those views. But I think those are views that individuals have held for a long, long time that have just been elevated yeah. and and the volume has been turned up on them because they've had outlets to be able to let their voice be heard. And it's also emboldened some of your more, you know, whack job, you know, leftists within media that write editorials to go and spearhead that, like the one we had from the... Uh, the L.A. Times of the guy saying that we should be mocking oh, yeah. those yeah. who die. Here, here's uh, un- why. Here's why it's a good idea to mock the uh, mock the deaths of of the unvaccinated. Six five one nine eight nine five eight five. I've got a couple calls here. Let's go to uh, Brian in Andover. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, good morning, guys. I just have two quick questions about what happened yesterday with the Supreme Court decision. Um, as regards the federal, the general federal mandate being struck down, I like the conclusion, but. Am I left to understand that had Congress passed a federal mandate, then that would be okay? 
Like, we could still be force vaxxed against our will if it would have come from Congress. And then the second question is regarding the health care worker mandate that was upheld. Can't all the health care workers just quit and then be rehired as 1099 independent contractors to avoid being designated an employee? <laughs> and I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, on the first point, yes, the the, the ruling yesterday said that the the whether or not there should be a vaccine mandate imposed was left to up to Congress and or the states. And that's, you know, the yeah. state's reference, that's a 1903 Supreme Court case that it's been longstanding policy. The states can impose uh, vaccine requirements on its citizens. Um, the, yeah, and yes, in, in theory, yes, Congress could impose it. I think the House in a, in a New York minute would pass it. I think it would die in the Senate for the same reason of you're not going to, I don't think you're going to get, I think McConnell could hold the Republicans together not to go for it, and then you're left with the filibuster again. So I don't, I don't see them, I don't see them trying to to do it. Plus, they got midterms coming up. Anybody that votes to a, for a federal vaccine mandate will get creamed. Same thing why in, in Minnesota, why Governor Walls hasn't imposed one because he knows what would happen if if he does it. Uh, the the question for him is going as we get into the governor's race here and getting into debates is they're going to have to get on record as to what he's going to do is he going to pull a, a jacob fry and put something if he got reelected, is he going to pull put something in place after he's safely reelected? and uh, going back to the uh, to the federalist article uh, the white house chief of staff ron mcclain he retweeted in september a comment from msnbc's uh, anchor stephanie rule claiming that osha's emergency temporary standard is the ultimate workaround for the federal government to require vaccinations rules tweet came shortly after biden directed osha to create the rule forcing private businesses to require the jab judge neil gorsuch, uh, gorsuch referenced claims uh, claims a seemingly wholehearted endorsement of this smug prediction in his concurrence published on Thursday as proof that Congress was not involved in giving OSHA authority to mandate the private medical decisions. According to the, to the Trump appointee, it seems, too, that the agency pursued its regulatory initiative only as a legislative workaround, thus invalidating it. <laughs> you know, to the, to the caller's second question about the hospitals, there's an easier fix than having everybody quit and become 1099s. You know, the, the, the ruling on this, the second mandate, the CMS mandate, tied to the fact that, you know, with Medicare and Medicaid funds, the federal government has historically imposed conditions on those providers that take those funds. Don't take those funds. Then you wouldn't be subject to the mandate. Absolutely. If you don't what take the idea. federal money, you aren't subject to their mandates. There's always strings attached. Mm-hmm. Let's go back uh, to the to the phones. We'll talk with uh, Mike. Uh, good morning, Mike. Welcome to Twin Cities News Talk. Justice and Drew, what are your thoughts this morning? Uh, good morning, guys. I, I think you pretty much just answered my question. I was wondering why the Supreme Court felt it was uh, necessary to strike down the vaccine mandate for everybody but health care workers, and it felt like uh, you pretty much answered that. But how about anybody that any contractor that takes money from the government why just medicaid and medicare why why would they be uh subject to the osha rules as well i guess that'd be my next question thanks it the it's two different cases it's not that the 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 it, it, the OSHA mandate was struck down in its entirety. This the, the the mandate that was upheld was for like the Center for Medicare Service. The CMS is the is the agency that the 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 agency that's responsible for administering the Medicare and Medicaid programs. Um, that's where that mandate was. The the court decided that their grant of authority was broad enough his, and, and historically was consistent with some of the other requirements they've placed on uh, providers that take 
Medicare and Medicaid funds. That's why that one, it's a, two separate authorizing statutes that were involved in the two cases. That's why one was up, one was upheld and, and one wasn't. You could kind of tell from when you were, if you were following anybody that was live tweeting the, the oral arguments, you could see where this was going, that the OSHA mandate was going to be DOA and the CMS mandate was going to be upheld. 651-989-5855. We've got uh, Representative Tom Emmer joining us in the next segment, but in the meantime, let's continue to take some calls. Dan in Waverly. Go ahead. You're on with Justice and Drew in the Friday Roundtable. Hi. Um, so just a uh, couple minutes ago, you guys were talking about how um, some, I, I don't know who it was, but they were wanted to make fun of people who had died from COVID, maybe people that didn't get the vaccine. Yeah, it was a uh, editorial written in the L.A. Times. I don't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but the Star Tribune reprinted it, uh, elevating it as if it were some sort of idea worthy of consideration that it's okay to make fun of dead people who were against the vaccine for whatever reason. So I wanted to bring up, um, I, I'm on Reddit, and there's a group on there that pops up on my feed. I mean, there's stuff that you're not even a part of that pops up, and it's called the Herman Cain Awards. And there's about 400, and, or I'm looking at it right now, 465,000 people that are on it. And they use the page to ridicule and mock people who have died from COVID. Um, it's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. You know, So what they'll do is they'll screenshot your Facebook, like if you put anti covid memes or i support trump memes on there and they'll screenshot like 10 or 15 of them they'll block out your name put a little thing over your face so they're technically not breaking the rules and they'll put it on there and there's thousands of people that just make fun of these people and i don't know it's just one of those things that the left you know they can sit and ridicule and, and do the most despicable things and then on the right if you do anything anywhere near that they just yeah. completely go after you it's a sick I, mindset of people that that get some kind of satisfaction with with that behavior well, and it's a you know it's a it's a it's a real sad commentary, uh, and and this kind of goes back to I mean, we were having a conversation off air, but I'll uh, I'll do I'll do the version attached to to to, to that previous caller. It, it really does speak to at least in my opinion, you know, uh, there's always been horrible people out there, right? Right, and and and, then, and there's always been individuals that to themselves or among friends would go. And share those horrible opinions with people they know that, that that they would agree with. You know, the dark side of what the internet has brought in social networking. If you look at Reddit, if you look at Facebook, if you look at Twitter, especially the ability to just be anonymous in so much of your postings. And it kind of started with message boards, right? Before we got all the social networking, it was when the internet really started to take off, and you had articles being written, and people were were chiming in at the comments, the comments under stories, and all that. It's really enabled a lot of those individuals to take those thoughts that were usually reserved for either. They're just their own brain because it wasn't society wasn't accepted in society to be outspoken to show yourself as being that that horrible of a human or amongst your sort of core group of individuals that will be like oh that's just Stan don't worry about it right. it's the dark side of what the internet has has brought un, un, unfortunately it really has enabled those individuals to find other fellow miserable individuals to spread their horrible you know awful yeah. awful views and it's not changing anytime soon no it's normalized a lot of it too yeah. where you know like you said normally you know you, these thoughts might occur to some people but they would never utter them in polite company but you do it on the internet long enough and you start thinking that's the real world and that's how it operates and it becomes normal for people well and, and it's really disgusting and with it becoming normal for people too is that before you know back again sort of showing our age but when when we were younger and you didn't have that i think a lot of people were kind of kept in check 
And they would even question themselves. Well, it isn't even appropriate for me to be having thoughts like this. But now, you know, a lot of people, and I'm using this term broadly, but they get kind of, they get radicalized. And you've seen it now infect what's happened within our political discourse and the divisions we have in the country. And you can apply that directly to the Supreme Court smacking down, in my opinion, the vaccine mandate to Representative Eric Lucero, what you said, this complete lack of respect for what the Constitution has to say, and individuals out there who actually believe that it's appropriate for a business or the federal government to go and discriminate from individuals based off of their own freedom of choice of what they want to go in and put in their put in their body. You know, I mean, those two things are, are if a person is willing to go and mock an individual to dying to get unvaccinated, of course, they're going to be completely on board with forcing somebody to go and get a jab yeah, despite their own best self-interests. Got a couple people on hold. More questions about this ruling for our roundtable. Lawyer extraordinaire Jeff O'Brien, State Representative Eric Lucero. Plus, we will be joined by Representative Tom Emmer coming up next, so stick around.